The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Yo, big man, if you want respect, you gotta earn it. You damn right! You gotta be ready to go down, stand up, and die for that shit like Blizzard did if you want some juice. Blizzard? Blizzard ain't sticking up to nothing now. That's cause we wasn't there to back him up. If we was there, if we was there, it'd be five that niggas instead of one. You ain't saying nothing now, right, big man? Never thought I'd see the day when you talk like a fucking punk, Q. Fuck you, man. Yo, chill. No, fuck chill. Check yourself, Q. You gotta snap some collars and let them motherfuckers know you had to take them out anytime you feel like it. You gotta get the ground beneath your feet, partner. Get the wind behind your back and go out in a blaze if you got to. Otherwise, you ain't shit. You might as well be dead your damn self. Crazy, man. You know what? When you said that last time, I was kind of tripping, right? But now, you right. I am crazy. But you know what else? I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck about you. I don't give a fuck about Steel. And I don't give a fuck about Raheem either. I don't give a fuck about myself. Look, I ain't shit. I ain't never gonna be shit. And you less of a man than me, so as soon as I decide that you ain't gonna be shit, <coughs> so be it. You remember that, motherfucker. Cause I'm the one y'all need to be worried about. Partner. Welcome to the Vault Podcast. Classic music reviews. Presented by IV Creative. Now, here's your hosts, B. Cox and the crew. Greetings and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Vault Podcast, Classic Music Reviews, presented by IV Creative. It's a perspective of the classics from a fresh point of view. We appreciate you for taking your time and lending your ears to our perspective. You could be anywhere listening to anything, but you're right here with us, so we thank you. With you today is yours truly, B. Cox, and with me, it's a new year, but still the same old crew. Of course, I'm talking about None other than my boys. First, we have the creator and host of the Raw Sex Podcast, Cousin Damo, a.k.a. Dominique Marks. Y'all make sure y'all checking out that Raw Sex Podcast each and every Friday. Checking your feed, subscribe, follow him on social media. You know, the links are there in the link tree. Y'all make sure y'all follow him on Twitter. He's a great follow and has some great quotes out there. Very, very entertaining as he's getting very close to the 100th episode of Raw Sex. Very, very big accomplishment. We're proud of what we're accomplishing over there. So you make sure y'all go check my man out and also Raw Sex Podcast. And as well, we have my boy J.O. here in the place to be joining us, guys. It's a new year. Happy New Year to y'all. First time we've gotten together in the new year. We start year number three for the Vault Classic Music Review. So big things planned for this year. And of course, if you heard earlier in the show at the beginning of the show we have a couple of things going on first of course we still have our facebook community the vault 
Podcast Record Club, all of our listener community there to go there, check in with us. We're going to be talking about some great things, throwback music, sharing our record collections. We're going to have some live chats, also some monthly giveaways as well, and some exclusives right there and only in that Facebook private community. Go to the notes, and in the notes, you can click on that private community to join it. Make sure y'all are joining. Answer some questions, you're right in, and we're going to have some great things planned for those who are in the Vault Podcast Record Club. Also, in the links, you will see the link to buy me a coffee where you can support the show. If you like the show, you want to see us keep going, you want to say thanks for all the content that we've put together, and to make sure that we continue to open the vault, then go into the link, buy us a buy me a coffee. You can support the show there. And of course, everything that we have is going to go towards making sure that we put out great content for y'all for 2022 and beyond. As we always say here on the vault, hashtag open the vault, hashtag nothing but the classics and MBTC. And today we have a bonus episode, Pop Culture Corner, where we talk about various things that are somewhat music related, but definitely relevant within pop culture and entertainment, as we've done a few different times as the vault has existed over these last going into three years. And today we're going to talk about a movie. A movie that a lot of us remembered from our generation that served as a beginning of a couple of different actors and also served as sort of like the changing of the guard, I would say, with these type of films and this type of genre. I'm talking about none other than the movie Juice, which is celebrating its 30th anniversary this month uh, coming up in January. It was released in January of 1992, specifically it was released January 17th, 1992 by Paramount Pictures. It was directed by Ernest R. Dickerson. Ernest Dickerson was a cinematographer that worked with Spike Lee on movies like Malcolm X and She's Gotta Have It. This was his directorial debut, and he also wrote the screenplay and co-wrote it with Gerald Brown. Juice starred the following people as well. Omar Epps, who starred as one of the main characters. Quincy, or Q Powell. Of course, his DJ name in that was DJ GQ, which we'll get to that in just a second. Also starred the debut of none other than the late great Tupac Shakur as another one of the main characters, Roland Bishop, or known throughout the movie just simply as Bishop. And we'll talk about his performance as well, which was um, definitely interesting to say the least. Khalil Kane as Raheem Porter. Raheem, who was, and we'll talk about later on as far as his arc in the actual movie itself. And it starred Jermaine Hopkins as Steel, Eric Thurman, who Jermaine Hopkins, popularly known also as Sam's, of Lean On Me fame. Also starring in Juice, you had Cindy Heron from En Vogue, who starred as Yolanda. Samuel L. Jackson as Trip, which is crazy seeing Samuel L. Jackson in this movie. George Gore, who starred as G in New York Undercover, and also in My Wife and Kids, starring as his huge little brother, Brian. You also had Queen Latifah making an appearance as a roughhouse MC or MC for the DJ event. Also having cameos within Juice were Flex Alexander, also Dr. Dre and Ed Lover, who were contest judges. Fab Five Freddy of Yo! MTV Raps, it was great to see him in that. And also seeing hip-hop figures such as EPMD, Tretch from Naughty by Nature, and Orange Juice Jones. So, fellas, here we are talking about Juice 30 years ago. Definitely an important movie from that generation in those sort of like subculture genre of hip-hop movies that, you know, had, that came across our screens, the screens and in the theaters within the early 90s. We talk about movies like this, movies like Above the Rim, Boys on the, Boys in the Hood, Fresh, you know, these type of movies that sort of catered to the hip-hop culture. Where This was really like one of the very first ones that 
catered to our part of the country. There's also hip hop movies, you know, Beat Streets and Wild Style and Crush Groove that came out. But this was really like the first one that sort of struck to our generation, and especially my sister's generation and them, those who were like teenagers during when this movie came out. We'll go ahead and get into it. You know, everybody had a chance to go back and look at it. Obviously, many of us have seen this movie many times throughout our lifetime, as you both will agree. It was shot in Harlem. It was based in Harlem. And the movie was about four friends, Q, Steele, Bishop, and Raheem, who lived in Harlem. They had, I guess you could sort of call, quantify them as a as a crew. It, I couldn't even really call them a gang or anything like that because it was four of them. I don't think four people really can be classified as a gang. You know what I'm saying? Even though the police referred to them as a gang. They were sort of like out for respect in their neighborhood. You know, this whole thing about you wanted to get the juice, juice meaning respect in the neighborhood. That was a slang for it. They messed around, you know, did things in the pool hall, hustling for money, playing video games, hustling for money. Constantly sort of like at odds with Rodamez, who was the Puerto Rican gang leader of another gang who was sort of like up against their crew and dealing with a lot of different other things. The fact that, you know, they were in school, police harassment, being pretty much in the hood and uh, wanting to be able to get some sort of respect for themselves. So um, that leads to, of course, what happened in their in their quest for respect, going to rob a local convenience store in a bodega and then shooting the clerk who was shot by Bishop. And later on, everything just goes and spirals downhill and including the arc of Bishop himself. So we'll go ahead and get started into it, fellas. I'm going to just pretty much find out from y'all. When was the first time that you saw the movie and what did you think about it then? And obviously, since then or whatever, what's your thoughts about the movie since we've all grown up and looked at it now through grown up eyes? So I'll actually go ahead and start with you, Jay. So what say you about Juice, man? When did you first see it? What did you think about it? And what do you think about it now? Yeah, actually, I mean, it just kind of takes me back because I actually remember seeing the preview for that joint, like, you know what I'm saying, like on commercials or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think I was in fifth grade. It was like early 92. I saw it. So, you know, keep in mind, this is like the time we just like coming off like fresh off of Boys in the Hood. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking, okay, it's going gonna, it's gonna to have that same energy and everything like that. But I didn't see it in the theater. So I, I kind of had to wait for it to come out on video. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of showing my age there, but <laughs> on video, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I, I don't even think it was blockbuster. I think it was Arrow's back. Then. I think it was. I, think it was, I don't even think it was blockbuster. Arrow's then. video. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's a throwback. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Matter of fact, the one that was right down there on Chilling Road, to be more specific. But um, mm, okay. Yeah. So when I saw the joint, like, okay, it was different because I didn't know a whole lot about NYC, Harlem, and everything like that, and. You know, just like thinking of the plot and, you know what I'm saying, cats coming up in the hood, whatever like that. But then, you know, just seeing like how Bishop was just unraveling and just like the inner workers of their crew. Because like you said, it really wasn't a gang. Yeah. But then like, you know, just as things like kind of spiraled out of control. I mean, granted, I was like about 10 when that came out. Yeah. Yeah, about yeah, 10 years old when that came out. So I understood the big things like as far as like crime that was going on. Because obviously like it was popping like back then. But then the inner workings of it, I kind of looked at it from a 10 year old's mind, like, dude, how is he going to do that? He, like, he really did this, he really did that. I don't want to give too much away too early, but mm-hmm. for me, it was like, they was all cool, then the robbery happened, and they went with the beefing, and things got crazy. Yeah. But then, now looking at it as I'm older, it's like, I don't want to get too much too way, away far in episodes, like, dang, yeah. Bishop was a sick motherfucker, like. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. When I really think about, like, what he was Man, doing in the movie. Like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, because like, for those that might not have, um, yeah, shit, it ain't no spoiler. Like this show, thirty years old. <laughs> <laughs> nah, you, you, nah, they haven't seen that shit nah, now. They ain't gonna never gonna see it. 
Nah, because I mean, I've actually had people like laying to me for like quote unquote spoiler straight out of Compton. That was a damn biopic, so I'm just like choosing my words carefully. So, <laughs> right, <yeah>. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, motherfucker, you know, easy die to AIDS. Like, come on, right, man. <laughs> exactly. You know, they broke out and shit. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, yeah. and, he, and that Dre made them headphones. That you know, what I'm saying exactly like right. everything. But yeah, looking at it now, it makes you think about more aspects, like as far as like police harassment and especially mental illness which I think was like one that really people didn't really think about in the movie especially again with Bishop just like spiraling out of control and mm-hmm. pretty much just like wanting to go out in a blaze of glory so like yeah looking back when I mean it was kind of one it's kind of one of those like that, that how can I say like age like fine wine if you will like you know you didn't think about you didn't think of the impact back then but like fast forward to now and then with like obviously Tupac being on his legacy like how I really show his range as an actor and you know everything that was to come for him so yeah. That was just my take on it. True. So, Damo, what about you, man? When did you first see the movie, and what did you think about it when you first saw it, and then what do you think about it now, looking at it through grown-up eyes? Well, you know, back then, you know, you wanted to be, you would think of it like the the episode, I mean, like the movie, when they t- you, you started leaving it, like, you, you got the juice, you got the juice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just from the movie. <laughs> really not knowing that uh, what they would use just thought it was some cool shit, uh, especially at the, you know, I guess one of your questions, like, you know, when he's elevated, you, you got the juice now. Yeah. Like, that part. Like, so now you take from there, you were like, hey, nah, I got the juice, you outside, not knowing what the hell they talking about, just thought it was some cool shit. Yeah. And, you know, we young, so we don't really, we don't really know the inner workings of what's going on in the movie or whatever we just think it's cool like you know jay said you coming off of boys in the hood and you're like ah you know four friends and this young just went left <laughs> like you think you know they about to rob this young you think they about to come up you know what's gonna call it the dj move now you get older you look at him like oh this nigga was hating on q from the jump like this nigga trying to like one of them friends where you see yourself you see your friend moving but you blown because he moving and you ain't doing that with your life so you just want nah we ain't doing that shit like yeah. oh, that shit corny like oh no that shit ain't really corny nigga yeah. I'm, this about to be my move yeah yeah <laughs> and it's funny because you mentioned that because there was that scene when they were all in Steele's house and you know when Bishop goes off about willing to you gotta be willing to go out in a blaze of glory and die for that shit and then Q sitting there talking about some yo man you what the fuck is you talking about basically and this nigga basically came to him like man if you ain't if you don't want to do that you might as well be dead you ain't shit and everything like that so you was you were right man like those little aspects and shit of that movie there's a lot of things in those dynamics within their crew that I mentioned as a grown up that it's just like damn this is all shit that I missed when I was like 10 years old when I was 15 yep, when I was 20 years old or whatever and I'm wondering if though like people like our older brothers and sisters and cousins who were seeing that whether they were singing the same shit back then you know what I mean so I don't know yeah so I didn't get to see the movie in theaters but my older sisters did and they were all of age to be able to go to the theater and see this joint obviously you know what I'm saying because even back then you know what I'm saying you they, they were pretty strict on trying to you know maintain who was going to go see what movies nowadays I don't really think they give a fuck they'd be like if you got money you're gonna come to the theater to come see it but back then they was a little bit more strict so I saw it when it came out on video as well and to me I don't think I saw, I, it probably was a Blockbuster joint. We probably went to Blockbuster and rented this joint, for real, before I think my sister bought it. But I saw the movie and I thought it was cool, obviously before a couple of things. One, because, like you said, we were sort of off or right off of the heels of not just Boys in the Hood, but then also off of New Jack City, which is another movie based in New York. Kind of had a hip-hop feel to it as well. Then you also ran off of the fact that, it was a hip hop, like sort of a lot of hip hop aspects in the movie. Like, yo, back then you see a lot of the big stars in there. Queen Latifah, you see EPMD make a cameo. Tretch was in the movie as a member of Rodimez's crew. 
the fact that Tupac was in the movie and he was becoming a pretty known star at that particular time. But everybody else, I mean, you knew Jermaine Hopkins because he was Sam's, but you kind of got to see actors sort of for the first time. And because it was New York, because it was Harlem, and because it was during that time, the movie had a certain feel to it. Like, I can remember people being excited about seeing this movie. You know what I'm saying? Like, my sisters and their friends being excited about seeing this movie. And I remember, like, a few up to, like, a couple of weeks afterwards, people coming to school and talking about it because – Yo, some of my friends in school, they bigger brothers and sisters brought them to go see the movie. You know what I'm saying? And that wasn't happening in my house, but you know, like my parents wasn't letting my sisters having taken me and my my sister go on out to go see Juice. But eventually, we all saw the movie. But seeing it and understanding the dynamics between their crew and understanding like how warped the mentality was in that particular time, them being in the hood, what respect meant to them. You know, respect was being able to hustle and make money. Respect was, yo, sticking up whoever man's old man Quilla's joint and getting money and then being able to turn that money into what exactly? You know, that's what respect was, having a gun and being able to intimidate people. So it really does speak to what at that time in a certain aspect, in certain aspects of society, what respect meant. And so looking back on it now, 30 years later, it's just like, well, damn, you can look at everybody in that particular crew. And they all have potential. So we talk about like, you know, in these films where you have like, you know, these black young people, especially in movies like Boys in the Hood. We talk about, you know, Juice. We talk about movies like Fresh, you know, also like Above the Rim and sort of like they turn to. That's really what kind of surprised me more than anything else was, you know, you look at Bishop. Bishop had the potential to be something great. And Q had the potential with his DJing thing. Raheem, with his personality, had the potential to sort of be something better than what he was. And then still, I mean, yeah, I'm pretty sure he has some potential to do something, you know, whatever that was. But it, to me, it's sort of the theme to this to this movie is four kids who have potential to do something better than what they had, but respect and also what they thought was sort of happening at that point of the day sort of pointed them in different directions. And then eventually what happened is that it takes a couple of building blocks to fall in order for everything to go so terribly, terribly wrong. It was, um, it's a movie though, like to me, love the hip hop aspects of the movie and also love the fact that it was scored by hip hop producers. Hank Shockley, the bomb squad scored this film, which is crazy that you had hip hop producers who were, Really big hip-hop producers during that time. Fresh off of producing not just Public Enemy, then also Ice Cube's America's Most Wanted a couple of years prior to that. So they were really one of the best hip-hop producers on the scene during that time, actually scoring a major motion picture film. So, yeah, so now we'll get a little bit into the aspects. I'll talk to you all about some of y'all favorite scenes or favorite aspects of the movie. So I'll go ahead and start with you, Domo. Scenes that sort of stuck out to you in your mind and some of the aspects in the movie that stuck out to you. Um, one of my favorite scenes was when they was in the uh, record store trying to steal, <laughs> <laughs> and he had to sit. He he went up to the counter to, to be the distraction, and like she was up there looking cute or the thing is turned around, and, that, and she smiled around. I was like, ah, <laughs> just keep on, just keep on being a decoy. Just keep y'all still, because I remember doing. I remember us being bad little kids and yeah. going to the little corner store and doing some distraction shit so niggas could steal some candy. Right. <laughs> yeah. And the Bama, the Bama played it off, though. You got three friends that look just like you, you know, like just like you. She was just like, uh, you know, I'm kind of one of a kind. <laughs> uh, yeah, we know. Right. <laughs> And then, you know, back then, you know, at that time, you, you know, just getting introduced to 
hip hop and stuff and him when he was fake DJing up there mm-hmm. but, and it was looking like oh shit made it made made you want to be a DJ just because mm-hmm. of you know you going off of how how the scene is like shit I'm gonna be like you I'm gonna have the juice and be a DJ right. shit, there it is yeah <laughs> exactly yeah true so uh what about you Jay your your favorite scenes and aspects of the movie that you you know that caught your eye piggyback over Dom of course like the record shop scene like you know what I'm saying? How she was looking all cute from like when she was turned around, but when, she, when you saw her face, it was a different story. <laughs> um, <laughs> even like, you know what I'm saying? The, the confrontation with like, you know what I'm saying? What was like Rodimez and Bishop and like how it was that contrast from before, like when mm-hmm. uh, Raheem came up and like, you know what I'm saying? Stopped all that. But then after Raheem, you know what I'm saying? Got killed by Bishop, of course, like, and how that easily could have continued with like Q and Steel, but like, they was like, nah, we ain't messing with that. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, just like really show like how fast that crew was unraveling all because of Bishop and his his crazy shit. Yeah. Another one, and I mean, I know I'm taking it a bit in a dark direction, but like, like after Bishop killed Raheem, they was at the funeral. Mm. Well, not the funeral, the repast. Yeah. Um, and how how Bishop came in there and was like, for one, Bishop being there, but then like hugging his mother and all like that. I'm like, dude. Yeah, that was. You was a twisted motherfucker. Twisted, like, like get some cold blooded shit. To kill a right, nigga, I mean, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of strange because like I mean up until up until recently I thought that was like yeah you know, ain't nobody out here that cold hearted but then, like actually having been at a funeral and seeing something similar like that take place I'm like god damn yeah it's really mm-hmm. like people like this out here in the world like yeah mm. I guess like yeah the elevator scene that was just crazy like he was like you gonna shoot me in the elevator and he just yeah. pulled that gun out like not even thinking pop up like, yeah god, damn right exactly <laughs> <laughs> hey and that that scene with them being in the elevator has turned into a meme that people have used as a meme all the time you know what I'm saying thinking that you got away and then you turn around and the motherfucker right there waiting for you you know what I'm saying like right. and he's sitting there sitting there, you see his eyes wide open and then you see Bishop just sitting right there in front of the damn elevator door you know what I'm saying yeah just waiting just waiting yeah man. So my favorite scenes, obviously all the DJing scenes, including when he was making the DJ mixtape, um, but then also when he was at the DJ audition and Flex comes outside and he was like, yo, what you mean my shit ain't good enough, man? You gonna get this bro looking like Gumby and shit? You know what I'm saying? Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then she fucked around and was like, yo, your shit was sloppy. Only a fool would open up like the way that you opened up. You need to work on your mixing. And he was just like, yo, fuck you. Damn. <laughs> and then so that, that all the DJ and scenes, even the DJ competition, just sort of goes back to a time in New York and also in a hip hop when when that was really still a big part of the scene. You know what I mean? And then seeing all the folks in there like Dr. Dre and Ed Lover and seeing Fab Five Freddy, that kind of brought me back to a time when that culture in hip hop was huge. You know what I'm saying? And seeing a, a packed club with people in there for a DJ and competition sort of spoke to a different time back then. Another one of my favorite scenes when uh, the truant officers came in there when they were in the pool hall trips joint and everybody rolled the hell out and still still sitting there them playing street fighter you know what i'm saying which then again another huge video game during that time street fighter and then that was original street Fighter. yeah the original street fighter you know what i'm saying that was even two right exactly and so they sitting there playing street fighter and everybody's like running off and then q and bishop run and get it on the roof and then they mess around and jump in between the buildings and jump over to the other roof or whatever and get the hell away so that was that was cool, watching the scene of them in Steele's crib when Bishop sort of said the dang shit and they ain't really going to get nothing until they stand up and take shit. Like that was a really great was like a really great scene where I think Tupac man sort of commanded that scene. You know the times he's sitting there talking to Q 
and he's talking to Steel. He's like, yo, man, what you got control of? He's like, I got control over my life. He was like, I got more control over your life, ain't you? He was like, how you figured that? Said, I'm, you breathing, ain't you? So it was just like, damn. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and then obviously the aftermath of everything when they shot Raheem, like you mentioned, Jay, the scene when they was at when he was at his house and just basically told his mother, like, you know, Raheem was like a brother to me. Then he hugs her, and while Q's sitting there looking at this nigga, like, y'all can't believe this nigga showed up. And him sitting there looking at Q, like, bitch, you better not say nothing. I'm gonna fuck you up. To take it a little bit of a comedic scene. The, you know, him showing up at Yolanda's place. Yolanda played by the Everfine, who was still fine, Cindy Heron, you know, while her ex-husband was there. And, um, you know, <laughs> which will bring up something that I have some questions about later, but it was just like, damn, that, that was crazy how he was sitting there and her ex-husband was basically asking him if shouldn't he be stealing some hepcaps or something like that and all types of shit. Nigga was real judgmental and everything, and then she booted his ass out there, and then they get to fucking. So that that was wild. Um but to talk about more so the questions now, we always, when we watch films, when we're like young, when you see them when you're older again, you sort of sit there and have questions. Because when you become an adult, you start thinking about like, yo, if this was real life, let's think about this shit one for one second. So I had some questions, but I'll go ahead and start with y'all. So now that you're older, what kind of questions do you have if this shit was really real life? Like you said, they'd be like, yo, how the fuck did this shit work out like this? So I'll start with you, Jay. What, what kind of questions did you have? As far as like watching this shit with grown eyes. Okay, actually, um, and that, that kind of leads, leads like right from what you were saying, like the whole relationship between him and Sidney Heron, like how that work out, yeah, right. like, how they hook up, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. Yeah, high like, school. Like, yeah. You know, like, right. It was, like, it was like career day or something like that, and they, they switch numbers. Like, <laughs> I kind of want to get the backstory behind that. Like, you know what I mean? Um, I guess like not so much like how it worked, but like it kind of, I mean, we know like still survived initially survived as shooting from Bishop, but then like. I just wonder, like, did he make it after that? Like, because you know, mm-hmm. at the end of the movie, we know Q was a DJ. You heard him, you hear him like, um, scratching the mixing everything. It's like, okay, so what happened to Steel? Like, mm-hmm. kind of left that kind of a cliffhanger. Yeah. Dang, I don't even know if this is like a mistake or whatever, but it seemed like Bishop had two guns, though. Mm. Remember, like, right before he killed Raheem, like, they, they ran to that abandoned building? Mm hmm. Yeah. Because I remember him seeing, having one gun on Raheem. He said, like, he had another one in his waist. So it was like, mm-hmm. was that intentional? Or, yeah, know, true. Yeah, yeah again, I don't know if that was like a, a mistake or a goof, whatever they called it. In the a industry, goof, it probably was a goof. Yeah, they catch things like that afterwards and understand this thing they make. Yeah, yeah, I think that was all the questions I had. I can think of think of off the top. True, Donald. What about you? What kind of things you kind of see when you were older? Like what the fuck? Like how the hell y'all let this nigga peer pressure y'all to some shit like that? <laughs> like you when he should like even when you when you in the when they was when they when they was in the house and, and he's when he started talking crazy. Yeah. How did y'all still stay around this nigga after that? Yeah, exactly. Like, all right, we young. Mm-hmm. I could even go back to us being young, me being 16, 17. When niggas started talking that crazy, oh, nah, we we can't we can't kick it like that. Oh, nah. <laughs> like, right. how you going to talk crazy to me and I'm your man? Right. Like, I see you talking crazy to some niggas outside, some niggas outside, but you going to tell me, nigga, I control your head. Like, oh, oh nigga, what? Yeah. Oh, no, nah, we ain't about to go rob nothing. <laughs> we ain't right. robbing nothing together. Exactly. Ain't oh, fucking nah. with you. <laughs> oh, nah, that, was even, that wasn't even like the crazy, that wasn't even the craziest shit that he said, though. I think y'all forgetting, like we said, the Q was like, I ain't trying to tell you shit. I tell your mama you ain't shit. Like, yeah. Damn. Exactly. That was like, yeah. that was like yeah. he needs to tell Rodham is. That's that. what like, I'm saying. Know? All yeah. all like all the shit that he was saying, like, nigga, what the fuck? Yeah. And then another thing, why the hell y'all, well, I guess, yeah, I can understand why y'all didn't tell, because y'all robbed the jail, so. Yeah, and they was all but, implicated, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. you can't really tell. 
But yeah. I was like, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. That's one of them. I'm like, yeah, why the hell y'all stayed around this nigga? He started showing he was crazy before y'all even robbed the jail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's wild, man. Yeah, that's... It's <laughs> that question about Dom. Like, yo, this nigga talking greasy to y'all like this, and y'all still hanging around this nigga though for real. Like, y'all don't like. Yeah. Fuck no, hell no. So my questions: one, I cut niggas off for less, right? For less than that <laughs> shit, exactly. Right. So, so my questions really are based around a lot of well, things that y'all that said. <laughs> yeah, uh, based around a lot of things that y'all said. The thing with Yolanda and Q really kind of set me back a little bit because back then we was like, "Oh man, my man got him a young, got him a grown Jonah Joan nurse. She got her own place or whatever, and everything. She let this nigga smoke in her crib and everything." But it's like, yo, if nowadays it'd be like. Eh. <laughs> this shit would be, it, that shit would be problematic nowadays. It's like, you do know he's in high school, right? You do know that he's not of age, right? Like, yo, that's crazy. Back then we was like, oh yeah, cute a man. And now it's just like, he's still the man, but yeah, it's nasty. just still kind of like, yeah. damn, y'all nasty as hell. Like shit. <laughs> <laughs> she molested that boy. She molested him. Say. She molested him, but it was Cindy Heron she, though, so I can't lie. She molested mm-hmm. that boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she did. Uh, she did. Yeah. So then my other question is, I said this on Facebook yesterday on my personal page. How the fuck did it end up that Raheem was the one that was in charge? Like, was it, this nigga was out there literally was, was the head of the crew and he was, he was light skinned. Right. And see, that's I the thing. That yeah. <laughs> Cause he was light skinned. But like, was this nigga older than everybody else? Did he what? Like, I know that Raheem was the one that was a father. Like, you know, he saw him go through the shit drama with his baby mother in the beginning of the movie where she was telling him she needed a real man. He was like, yo man, fuck that. I'm squashing that man. I should let you have her. You know what I'm saying? But Raheem was like, really like, yo, yo, he was like, kind of like bitching these niggas on the low telling this nigga Q, Q you gonna go in here and go get me some cigarettes, he was like why? he said cause it's your turn, I was like hold up like yo if that would have been me I'd be like man fuck you nigga go in there and get your own goddamn cigarettes, like what the fuck man and then this old shit and everything like yo we telling Q like I can't come to the basketball court tonight, Q told him can't come to the basketball court tomorrow, he's like why? I got my DJ audition, he was like yo alright man I talked to the rest of the fellows about it and make sure you there afterwards, like I'm like, who the fuck put this nigga in charge? <laughs> so it was like, while it was fucked up, that bitch is shot and killed this nigga. I'm like, yo, I don't know. Because who the fuck made Raheem in charge? And why the fuck do you feel like he could talk to these niggas that way? Like, this nigga was like a capo or something or something like that. Like, he was controlling the muzzy and these were his soldiers. Like, nah, nigga, we equals. Fuck all that. So that's the question I had. Um, I mean, I guess, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I guess, like, you know what I'm saying? Special Ed taking his chick kind of knocked him down a few pages. Yeah, like. exactly. And Special Ed taking his chick, exactly. <laughs> Seeing that shit, talking about some bitch, we're talking about, I thought the Joe was your girl, nigga. What the fuck you going to do now? So, craziness, man. And then to both of y'all points, it's like, yo, with a nigga like Bishop, why the fuck you let the craziest nigga in the crew hold the gun? Like, why Raheem? Like, yo, let me see that. I've been like, nah, man, I'm holding on to this shit. Fuck you. Especially you, he was loaded. Yeah, nigga talking about something. I'm holding on to it. So he was like, why you, why you got to be the one to hold on to? Because motherfucker, I already got it. Like, that's another red flag right there for the, like, why the fuck are y'all hanging out with this nigga, dog? Then you gonna let the craziest nigga, the most unstable nigga out of the four of y'all hang on to this fucking gun. Why? <laughs> why? So, yeah, man, it's, it's crazy. And then not only that, but then shit. How the fuck the shit with Rodimaz didn't go down earlier than that? I have no motherfucking idea, especially with the shit they were saying to each other early in the joint. Rodimaz basically implying mm-hmm. shit about, about Bishop's father and shit. And then Bishop mm-hmm. saying like, man, you better have respect for me. I was almost your father, but the line was too long. All types of shit like that. Like that's type of shit. Like, yo, 
get niggas fucked up out there. And it was crazy, like, how Tretch ended up being a member of Rodimez's crew when he actually, the notes say that Tretch was supposed to try it out for the role of Bishop, but then was subjugated to be an extra and a member of Rodimez's crew. That's actually this movie is what started the friendship between Pac and Tretch in the first place. So they were really close with each other and maintained that friendship all the way up through Pac's death a few years later. But yeah, those are like the questions and stuff that I had. Like, yo, I just craziness now looking at it through grown eyes. I don't understand why the fuck like that shit, you know, nothing ever clicked in my head earlier. You know what I mean? But yeah, true shit though. But yeah, so to talk a little bit about now where the uh the the influence of this movie because you know this was like i said it started sort of like this the this run of movies that you we saw not too long afterwards that became sort of like hip-hop cult classics the above the rims the poetic justices the freshes the you know eventually stuff like sunset park you all saw these movies that sort of feature these hip-hop stars but just talk a little bit about the film's impact and how that changed sort of like movies that we looked out for as teenagers and our generation looked out for when we saw it featured a certain theme or a certain type of cast in it. So if y'all could speak a little bit to on that. They saw, I think they saw that hip hop was about to blow up. So they started taking talent and trying to put them in movies and try to get that, that audience mm-hmm. to come over there and boost up their sales and, you know, take advantage of something that was on his, on his way up. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because I think, you know, this movie, while it wasn't a huge success, it did like make $20 million in the box office, but it did it against a budget of $5 million. So that was considered to be success back then, you know, when you yeah. when you quadruple the budget money, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, yeah. Nice payday. Yeah, very nice payday. And, and what it did is it started for Q Tupac, who was crazy. And, I mean, he was, he was really brilliant in this movie, to be quite honest, considering – you know, how he went from one extreme, sort of like from here to being completely unhinged towards the end of the movie. It made him a bankable movie star, and it got him extra roles in films where we saw him in Above the Rim, we saw him in Poetic Justice, and then saw him in things like Gridlock and gang-related, and being as though that he was trained, having gone to Baltimore School of Arts, and he had that talent to sort of be, you know, an actor. People saw the sort of the range, like you said, Jason, earlier, what he could be as a hip-hop star. So it was more to just beyond just playing one type of character. He showed that he could be the range to show, you know, many different uh, aspects of a certain character, even though the movies were all sort of, you know, same, similar type of plot. But, you know, he showed that he could be not just the villain. He could also then also be the protagonist on movies as well. 30 years ago, man. And then, of course, there was the soundtrack. And the soundtrack, while to me, I think is not one of the, you know, the greatest soundtracks in it, out of all these movies. I mean, we talk about some of the great movie soundtracks. It definitely has some tracks on here, though. So you talk about the, you know, up. You said it was trash. You only didn't like it. <laughs> you didn't like it. That joke was trash. You didn't like it. Why not? Why didn't you like it, Damo? I didn't like that. First, they, they, I'm listening to the joke with Teddy Riley and. I'm like, what, I'm like, where the fuck have he did that? Yeah, so they remade it. It was sort of like a remake for the movie. Yeah. And then I'm listening to it. I was like, oh, hell not. Hold on. The other thing was messed up was I had to go listen to it. So maybe I can't really listen to it in order because mm-hmm. for some reason, Tidal and Apple don't have all the songs available. Yeah. So like, Spotify either. Yeah. So they had like two, three, eight, nine, ten. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, what the fuck? So I had to YouTube the other song. So maybe if I would have heard it in order, but hearing it, I was like, oh, no. I was like, I hope we talking more about the movie than this album because this yeah. is, the album is. I don't think it made a difference, though, bro. For real, for real. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. I don't think it would. It's not- like, maybe the album, the, maybe the, we're thinking about it is maybe, you know, in the scenes of the movie when they played the music, mm-hmm. it worked. 
Yeah. But by itself, no. yeah, not not that great. Nah, and That'd then low for me, dog. Yeah, and, and you know, <laughs> and you know, Dart Adams said this on Twitter. Said that this album it wasn't particularly like it wasn't sequenced well. So I think they said if you would have sequenced it like probably better, you would have had better results. Um, I think though, there's a couple of you know bright spots on here. Obviously, Uptown Anthem by Naughty by Nature. I mean, that's to me right there one of their classic tracks. Juice by No Juice No the Ledge with Eric B and Rakim. I mean, obviously, you know Big Daddy Kane. Enough respect. Um, it's I wasn't really a big fan of Too Short being on this joint. So you want to be a gangster? Cypress Hill. They had shoot him up on here, but. Interestingly enough, they were also in the score because on the last scene of the movie where they were doing a chase in that party, they were playing How Could Just Kill a Man, which was interestingly enough, they picked that song to be playing in the party considering all the things that happened with Bishop earlier on in the movie. But the the tracks on here really aren't the best tracks. I think that they could have, considering this time, it was, I think, a disappointing soundtrack. Like, I think considering what we got out of soundtracks from, you know, from Menace to Society, from uh, Above the Rim, uh, from those type of, you know, that Sunset Park later on in the decade, that we would have gotten better songs from a movie that had a pretty good score, considering that the Bomb Squad scored it, and then considering the aspects of the movie that had so many people in it. So, I... It's, it's a disappointing soundtrack, I would have to say. I mean, I think there are some good tracks on here, but overall, it's not like one of the best of these hip-hop movie soundtracks, these ni- classic 90 hood movie turns out soundtracks. It wasn't really the best. So I do have to I mean, agree with y'all like, there. Um, I mean, even back then, like, don't be afraid, but like until you listen to the lyrics of that joint, it's like, oh, there's some creepy shit you told yes. me. Right? Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Like, you cross R. Kelly could run like. Yeah, exactly. Like they sitting there like, y'all, you y'all niggas a little bit too like. <laughs> it's already a thing. People say that R. Kelly stole a lot of shit from Aaron Hall. You know what I mean? And then it's just like, oh, y'all niggas was like. Yeah, exactly. Y'all niggas was like a more ways than one. God damn it. Shit. Yes, sir. <laughs> you can't hide. I got you all to myself. I'm like, dude, it's like. Yeah, come on now. Like, let's not let's not do that. Let's incriminate. Yeah, exactly. It just goes different signs of the time, man. Like, you know, it's signs of the times were different. Like, you know, Q was sleeping with Yolanda and it was okay back then. Now it's not as okay. Song like this, Don't Be Afraid, would not be okay nowadays. You know what I mean? So the times have changed a lot. It definitely has. So there we are, man. Juice, 30 years later. As a matter of fact, there will be a 4K Ultra HD release coming out. It came out last week for Juice. has a brand new uh, stylized cover for it. It will be on Blu-ray. And it's going to be actually like almost like the way that you hear like music or a movie being remastered. And so it will be interesting to see it probably in a new light. But there will also be uh, other aspects on there. There will be commentary by Ernest Dickerson. There will be a look back making on featuring the film interviews. They'll have Ernest Dickerson, producer David Heyman, also interviews now with Omar Epps, Khalil Kane, and Jermaine Hopkins. And they'll talk about, of course, Dickerson wanting to be able to create his own original version and the ending. I don't know if y'all know this, but there was an alternate ending to Juice where Bishop, instead of actually being not being able to hold his grip, actually voluntarily let go after hearing the police sirens in the background saying that he wasn't going to prison. So he voluntarily let go of his hand and basically killed himself. So interesting. They talked to also, uh, there's also interviews that they had with Queen Latifah, Samuel L. Jackson, and also Cindy Heron. They also talk about stories about Tupac on set, his drive, his authenticity, and also being able to basically help lead a lot of those scenes in the movie. And then they also have talks with the Shockley brothers and the bomb squad, as well as EPMD. 
and members of Cypress Hill about their contributions for the soundtrack and also for scoring the movie. It came out last week, and so make sure y'all check that out. Make sure you take a look at it. Go watch the movie. It's definitely something that you will remember, and um, that's for the type of movie it was. Brings back to a great, great time during that time, not only in hip-hop film, but also hip-hop music. And that is going to wrap it up here for us on The Vault. Please make sure that you check us out on our new host on Red Circle. You can also download, subscribe, and stream the Vault Classic Music Reviews on any one of our streaming sources. Make sure you visit our website on vaultclassicpod.com. That's vaultclassicpod.com. You can get to any one of our streaming sources and also any one of our social media pages. You can get to us on IG on at vaultclassicpod on IG at Vault Classic on Twitter and also Facebook and YouTube. You can join the Facebook group and also the YouTube channel. Also make sure you get into our private community, the Vault Podcast Record Club. Links also in the show notes and also on our webpage. Go join the private community, answer a few questions in your end. Going to have a lot of great things coming up this year. And don't forget as well to go to our Buy Me a Coffee and our links as well on the website on vaultclassicpod.com. But also in the bottom left-hand corner, click the coffee cup. It'll bring you us to our Buy Me a Coffee page. Sit there, support the show, and your support and contributions will make sure that we continue to open the vault. We appreciate the support, and if you have a friend, tell a friend. And make sure that that friend tells a friend. Always remember to keep your headphones on and your music loud, but not too loud. And as we close, we'd like to remind everyone to dream big because dreams are the basis for creation. Always create, motivate, and elevate because you were never destined or created to stay stationary in this life. And on that note, we say peace. Thank you for listening and coming into The Vault. Please subscribe and visit us at vaultclassicpod.com. That's vaultclassicpod.com.